This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, (laughs) and I'm sick, which is why I sound... Like, I've got a really deep voice. (laughs) I'm quite enjoying it. I feel like it is like a radio voice. And so I'm sure I will get back to my high, squeaky, piercing squeaks that I will. But for now, we can all enjoy the sultry tones (laughs) of Rachel. Ew. But today, we're not just going to listen to me say things like, Luke, I am your father, and all the other things that I've been spending time entertaining myself with. We're actually going to talk about parenting for faith. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about oh, the results of some research about guilt that I read recently, which just broke my heart. How do we engage with guilt as parents? Uh, we're going to be answering a question about um Yeah, we can do chat and catch and have kids love chatting to God. But what about the Bible? How do we help our kids love the Bible? But first, I just wanted to, I just wanted to encourage you, I guess. Um, We uh, are working with an organization called NCVO, and they were sort of uh, talking to parents and assessing the efficacy of our Parenting for Faith program in uh, combination with Care for the Family stuff. And they were just doing some research on on how to encourage parents and to help them flourish. And they came out with this observation that just broke my heart, which is that when a parent feels guilty, sometimes they can become paralyzed. If they begin to think, oh, I'm not doing enough or I, I'm not good enough at, at, at helping my kid meet and know God, then then the guilt buries them so much that they feel like they might as well not do anything because they can't do it perfectly. And there was this sense of of giving up, of feeling like if it's not going to be great, then it's not worth doing. If if I don't think I have the emotional, mental, spiritual, physical energy to do something, then then I, I'd rather do nothing than do a little bit badly. And I, I that just broke my heart because I feel that none of us ever, ever feel like we wake up one morning and go, gosh, you know what I feel? I feel spiritually, mo- mentally, emotionally ready and capable of parenting for faith excellently. Yes, that's going to be my day today. <laughs> we we almost never have those days. We're all in the middle of parenting and doing life. And some of us are, are working jobs. Some of us are managing multiple children. Whether we are working, whether we are home with our kids, um, none of us feel like we're going to do it perfectly or great. And so this idea that some of us may be discounting ourselves, maybe so worried about not doing it right that we put it all down and say, I don't want to even try. I just want to rush in and say, please don't. Please don't. Because I've worked with thousands of children and 
thousands of families. And I can tell you, very rarely does a 10-year-old kid turn to me and say, my parent has been perfect 100% of the time, every day. And that has built a consistent story in front of me about faith. What I get from a 10-year-old is them saying, I remember a couple of months ago, my mom said this one thing and it made me think. And so I started doing that at bedtimes. And I love it. Kids, adults, teenagers, small people, what they do is they pick up the little sentence. They pick up the one thing that they saw you do. They pick up how you responded to a stress or what you did when you were sick and how they heard you praying. They notice the small, little ordinary bits of life and they file that away and they try it in their private places and they attempt it with God and they assimilate it into their mind and they go on this faith journey because we allow ourselves to be authentic in the middle in front of our kids whether it's us explaining something that we don't quite understand to say I I don't have a full answer but this is the answer I have right now and I'm going to find out to this is what it looks like in my life to oh I just need you to pray for me. All those tiny, tiny bits are so important to children and young people. And I just want to encourage you that you don't have to be anybody else but who you are. You do not have to do anything more than what you feel capable of right now, because God is a faithful leader and father to us, and he will he will take our little two mites, our little two bits of whatever we have right now, and and it will be powerful and vital to our kids' faith journey. And so please don't let guilt bury you. Please don't let one bad day or five bad days make you take a step back from one of the most wonderful bits of parenting. It is one of the greatest joys of parenting to help our kids meet and know God and to access his love and his freedom and his peace and his guidance. And it can rob us of that joy that God has given us if we let our guilt or our worry paralyze us from stepping into parenting for faith to the extent that you can do because it is important to your kids and it can look like you. If you think about the times in your life that have been spiritually significant from you. I guarantee you, it will be a sentence someone said, one thing you've observed, a, a, a moment of clarity, a time one person prayed for you. Those moments are important. Please, please, don't let yourself get paralyzed because one thing is a thousand times better than none. And God has anointed you and appointed you for this role, and you can do it. And I just wanted to pray for you. If, if anyone is feeling that defeated out there, I just wanted to pray for you. God, I thank you that you have called us to be parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and people who have children and young people in our lives. And God, I pray that you would strengthen everyone who can hear my voice right now, that you would pour your love upon them, that you would speak truth to their minds, that you would sweep away any lies that are holding them back. I pray that you would fill them with your strength, 
Fill them with your joy. Fill them with your renewal. That they may help their kids meet to know you in the ordinary, everyday, boring bits of life. Because that's where you are. That is where you're guiding. That is where you're speaking. That is where you're listening. That is where you are giving our kids peace and speaking your truth to them. And so God, make us bold not to do everything perfect, but to do the one thing here and there when it's woven into life that our kids may spot you sprinkled among everything and they may take step by step by step with you on this great and wonderful journey of a life of faith. I pray that you would sweep away all guilt and worry that we may give what we have, that our kids may have all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. What a difference a few days make. Look, this is what I sound like normally, everybody. (laughs) So anyways, our question and answer for today is a question that came up when we were doing a Parenting for Faith course on Zoom. And it was this, we've talked a lot about helping kids encounter God, but how do we help them read and know the Bible? So this was my answer to this question during our Facebook, no, not our Facebook Live, our Parenting for Faith course on Zoom. Um, So for me, I think it's absolutely important. You can't, like we talk about, you can't Um, it's really important to tie together truth and experience. And so if we only give them experiences of God, but don't give them something to root them in, um, then it's just all becomes experiential and can get lost. And so it's really important. Um, That's why we talk about being God connected isn't the opposite of God smart. It's an extension of God smart. It is, it is knowing God and knowing him. And so scripture is very important in helping kids learn how to root themselves in scripture and everything. And so my suggestion uh, would be that when we're looking at, at helping our kids know that, to just think through the circle, the six-day circle. So one, do they see us reading scripture? There's so many times that I read scripture on my phone and it just looks like I'm on Facebook. And I realize that I, they may, you know, kids may not be seeing me create windows into how I do, how I read, um, but also how I apply scripture to my life. And, uh, you know, so much in my head is going, you know, okay, well, that's really interesting. And I've been pondering, you know, how Saul thinks about that. Do I ever talk about it at the dinner table? Do I ever bring up, I've been reading this thing in the Bible. Like I got really down a, a rabbit hole about the fact that I was reading and you know how you notice something in this and, and how we were made and we were vegetarians. And I was like, Oh no, are we supposed to be vegetarians? Does that mean there's going to be no bacon in heaven? Is there going to be bacon? I went on this whole thing of just, and so at some point in my family, we were all like, we all had scripture out going, no, I disagree with you. I think it's because of this. And just the the applicability of scripture and how you pick it up and you you hold it to you. And, you know, when you're struggling, there's this verse that you put on the wall that you can remember. And so it's really important to just model how, how applicable scripture is to us and framing for our kids that this is the, the root of why I, I can nail everything. My dad always said, I can nail everything down to this. You know, I can see rapes and murders. I can do all this at work and I come home and everything just is nailed down to scripture and just that sense of of its place, but also they need framing of just basic stuff. Like the Bible is, you know, 66 books, some are like written. And, you know, sometimes it's just the basic sort of 
um, framing for your kids. I love this because it's, you know, people of all different walks of life and it's fascinating and, and talking about it. And then it's finding a pattern for you of scripture that you want to equip them in, you know, do your kids know how to, how to look things up? Do they know how to use a concordance or, you know, if they're sad, do they know how to go, how do I find a verse that helps me find hope? And so you can, you know, at you in your bedtime, you can look through the Bible and say, this is my favorite bit of my Bible is this little bit that tells me these things. And in your Bible, you have one too, and to equip them how to do it and then create opportunities to say, you know, our family's facing a big decision. I'd love to find us to find a family verse a family story, maybe in scripture that really encourages us. What's a story? And to have those conversations of, of how we read in scripture and pull that out. And so if, if that's something you want to, to delve into, um, I think we should all delve into it, but how it looks will be completely different for you. I don't think it has to look like family devotionals. It could be like reading. It could be like leaving Bibles out. I know one family who does like basket time in the morning where they sit around before breakfast and just have stuff out and they have a conversation over breakfast of stuff they're reading. However you choose to do it, it's it's about creating how scripture is woven into life rather than feeling like it's about formal teaching. Our kids learn so much through conversations. So I would suggest we begin to, to build that, how to read scripture, you know, little things like reading scripture until your heart goes, ooh, and I think God wants to talk to me about that. And then you read that verse again and you go, oh, that's really interesting. So you read until, until you're curious and then you take that and then you ponder it for a while and, and then you talk about it. And so however you want to frame it for your kids, um, finding those roots in can be, can be really helpful. Card today, I sat down with my friend Gareth Crispin. Gareth Crispin has a ministry called Together with God. He does it with Ed McKenzie, and uh, he has a book on it and a podcast that interview a lot of really interesting people. Uh, really, just looking at parenting for faith in in the way that they describe it and how we can be churches and families that help our children help meet no God. You know. The stuff that we talk about. Uh, he has a very fancy job now. He uh, is a lecturer in practical theology at Cliff College, and he oversees a lot of their uh, training on youth, children, and families there. And he and I sat down for a really big conversation. We started off talking about uh, all of his academic research. He's starting a, a sort of forum for academic papers on the spiritual life of children and what that looks like intergenerationally. And so I was sitting down to talk about theology with him. And in the midst of this 20-minute-long 20 20 minute long conversation, we stumbled on something that I thought was really interesting. Uh, well, I thought the whole thing was interesting, but I can't shove it all in a wild card. So uh, I thought I'd pull just a little bit out of our, our big, long conversation. This little bit, we began to talk about the family of God and what that means, and is that important for our children to understand, to engage with? And he had some things to say that, uh, if not were new to me, it was, a, it was a fresh way of looking at it that was interesting to listen to. And I thought I'd, I'd bring it to you, this whole idea of brothers and sisters and family of God, and what that means for us in helping our kids understand that. So I'm just going to drop us into the conversation here. You'll hear the voice of Gareth Crispin, uh, talking and uh, sharing some interesting thoughts. So I hope uh, this will be an intriguing wildcard session for you. We've got a biblical picture that goes from the natural family, creation, okay, in Genesis 1-2, okay, through to what do we see in Revelation? We see a spiritual family, 
You know, mm. We see the divine family, if you like. Mm. So what we've got is a journey between one and the other. And there's a lot to say, obviously, on the way, going through Israel, uh, going through uh, when Jesus comes. And he obviously had a lot to say about the biological family, uh, where, you know, he's quite um, sometimes harsh or dismissive. Not sure there's mm. the right words, but, yeah, very difficult words to say about the family. And so what does that mean for us to stress parents when Jesus is saying that? What is he saying about the wider church? No, my, you know, my, my uh, brothers and sisters aren't. Uh, my mum and my brothers aren't outside. They're here. They're you. They're the church. Like, wow, that's strong words. And actually, that is where I want to land with this, Rachel, is that I think we do need to be parenting, not simply for faith, but for faith with a very particular label. And that label is a family label where we're, we're seeing other people as brothers and sisters uh, in mm. Christ. So, so it's not simply, oh, I hope my children get across the line and are saved. It's actually what they really need to understand is that they're not just saved from something. They're saved into something. They're saved into mm. a family. That's why we have a loving heavenly father, because that's a family. You know, we're mm. co-heirs with Christ, our co-heir, uh, co-brother uh, co in that sense. So I think there's loads of practical things. If I may, just, just one minute, just to sort yes, of think about Yes, I something. love it. Tell me. Okay. So firstly, just start using the language. You know, in your home as parents, start referring to people in your church as brothers and sisters. Mm. Try and help your children and young people uh, think about other people in the church in those terms. That's an older sister in Christ. Look, that's your younger brother in Christ. Start to use the language and um, then start to show them that there's a responsibility for them that comes along with that. If there's a younger brother, I say he's not just some guy in your church. She's not just some girl in your church. That is your sister. You need to look after her like you would a biological or adopted sister. So I think use the language and, and sort of show it in those terms. I think Can I interrupt there and ask the question? Uh, so I find this really interesting. One, I'm an only child. So using that language to me, and I have an only child, um, that's a new concept of just how to do siblings uh, right. is, is, a, is a thing. You know, like, okay, you say that's a sister, treat her like a sister. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and I know from working with lots of families, there's quite a hierarchy to sibling age structure. Um, yeah. How do we talk about family without it feeling like, well, welcome, you're five, and now you're the younger sibling of a lot of people who now can tell you to do things. You know, How do we talk about it in a way that says, this is what our family looks like? Is, is the church family different? Is the church family the same? How do we navigate those sibling concepts um, with our children? Yeah, yeah. And look, there's similar issues around, of course, called talking about father as heavenly father. You know, mm. if somebody never knew their father or had an abusive father, you know, some of those things are really difficult. And I think it is that thing about, you know, not wanting to go, oh, you know what, it's just too difficult and slightly controversial. So let's not talk about it. And let's not mm. do it. It's like, well, that's a bit tricky because the New Testament language is squarely about brothers and sisters. Mm. Um, but uh, you're going beyond that and saying, oh, how can we do this sensitively and winsomely? Um, and obviously, if someone hasn't got experience of something, then you need to help them, you know, both a cognitive level, like thinking about it, but also ex an experiential level, like experiencing it. So um, you, you could point to uh, other families that have got brothers and sisters that they might know well. So say, for example, if you're an, if you have an only child, they might play with a friend who's you know in a family and then you could say, well, so what, tell me about how that works. Yeah, and the story might be, it doesn't, it's just a big yeah, bump. but most siblings fight, they <laughs> argue. It's not appealing, I have to say. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, there are some sibling, uh, you yeah, know, relationships that are, are seriously, you know, sort of like 
seriously in trouble and flawed. Mm. But I think there's other things that you can see, like, so for example, I remember like with my brothers, you know, we would be knocking lumps out of each other. But if anyone ever tried to have a go at me, my brother would step in and say, no, excuse me, that is my brother. And I, you know, I was always struck by that thinking, oh, right, so, so what, you know, you can knock lumps out of me, but they can't. And it's like, I was very struck by that. You know, you know my brother never, never knocked lumps out of me, but, but it was very much this idea in actually, yeah, there's loads of arguments going on, but when the rubber hits the road often in a, in a, mm. in a sibling relationship, then actually there is that idea that blood is thicker than water at that point. Mm. And it'll be like, no, no, I'm going to do this because it's my brother. And that's not to say that re relationships don't go beyond reconcilable yeah. you know, uh, situation. But there is that idea, I think, of saying, okay, well, and also that idea of saying, like with the father thing, this is really critical, is to say, actually, do you know what? The true family is the eternal family, mm. okay? These are the, the, the family is a picture, isn't it? We know this from Ephesians 5, that marriage is a picture of the gospel. Okay, mm. so what we've got here is something that's supposed to help us see the real thing. Mm. And often we get it the other way around, I think. We think yeah. the biological legal family is the real thing, and, it, and it's a, a way of understanding what God is like. It's actually, no, it's the other way around. And so actually, these are your brothers and sisters. So you could be almost saying, why don't, if we don't know what that looks like, why don't we start to explore that with our brothers and sisters? Let's go and ask them what they think that should look like and explore yeah. it. Just for the name. That's really interesting. And I think often we just don't, as families, have that conversation. Church family yeah. becomes a cliche that we sort of refer to, but actually something that we need to disciple into and talk about and wrestle with, I think, is a really big and interesting uh, challenge for all of us, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is an idea that otherwise we become, it's a very 21st century thing, this nuclear set of nuclear isolated units that sometimes themselves mm. to each other on Sunday morning or something like that it's like no 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 this, there's a journey here that we're on and I think it is, it's worth just bringing that in because we have got the empirical side of things which is that obviously for a very young child that's a different thing for, for a teenager mm. so I remember when I first started thinking about this a few years ago I was going to my son and I was saying oh look you know it's great because in eternity you know, you won't need me as a dad because Jesus, you know, your, your heavenly father is there as your true heavenly father. And these brothers and sisters, and I started this, and he wasn't very happy. Because <laughs> he's like, like, I like you having, I like having you as my dad. I don't want you to not be my dad. And I was like, and I was thinking, well, this hasn't gone as well as I thought it was going to go. <laughs> it's just like, this is not working. But I was thinking, the, the guy's only 11. Yeah. You know, I've got three children, I have three boys. Um. But I think now that one of my sons is 15 and he's very much his eyes are really lifting up and he's really looking to engage in the world out there. I think he's becoming much more ready for that understanding. So, you know, you, I'm not suggesting we go up to a three year old and go, hey, you know, that thing about, you know, mom and dad loving you and stuff. Yeah, it's only temporary. You know, is it, you know we're going to get into a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> but, um, but I think you're know, using some of the language and exploring mm. that together is really important. But also starting to do things like more, if you like, more practical uh, things, embodied things like, ensuring we don't become isolated so bringing mm. families uh, you know bring other people into our home uh, obviously we can start doing that now again yeah probably. um but you know not having a closed unit a closed door mm. you know family culture is really important to build up family culture at the beginning but we do that so that we can be open i think that's mm -hmm. a really key point otherwise we do family culture simply to serve the family itself which becomes mm. idolatrous it's got to be to serve the wider church. We build that culture and that sense of identity belonging so that we can look outwards uh, with mm. hospitality. and, and But also include them in the church. Think, what, what can I encourage my children to do here in the church to get them alongside people so they can serve? Yes, but also so they can experience what it means to be somebody serving alongside somebody else as a brother or sister mm. in Christ. So 
I'm going to stop. There's loads more I could say, but that, I think you know. that's fantastic. That's been so helpful. Thank you, Gareth. And and can everybody access a lot, a lot of these writings and the stuff that's going to be coming out of the Generation community? Yeah. So um, the, the 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 Generation Forum when. When you, we have a generation forum, then we are going to be putting the videos of the main sessions up on the website so you can see them there. The discussion is very key to the forum, but we're not putting that up because obviously we don't want to inhibit people in, in yeah. terms of what they might say. But the, there'll be two papers each time and um, and that will be there, there on the website. afterwards. The first generation forum, it's worth saying, is us setting our stall out, saying, what are we? So there's not going to be a lot about you know, actual research in YouTube and families ministry. It'll just be saying, this is who we are and what we're going to be doing. Um, but but do join us anyway. Um, but yeah, but check out some of the books coming out of the Intergenerate Conference. Uh, yeah, one's just called Intergenerate. And then that book I mentioned as well, that Corey Seibel edited, yeah. Generative Church is great. Uh, check that out as well. Also, there's some books about parenting for faith, I think, which are quite quite good. And I think most of us <laughs> uh, and also you're together with God podcast that uh, that is there, which you're interviewing some really interesting speakers about faith and video games and all sorts has been really fascinating to listen to. It as well. great. We enjoy doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much for your time and uh, for all your wisdom. It's very exciting. Thanks very no, it's much. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invite, Rachel. Thank you. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your family is this. God said that the people at church are our brothers and sisters. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And if you want to go further, why did he say brothers and sisters rather than just friends? Have an interesting conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.